I'm Smitty. And I'm Mitty. You know, Mitty, I'm commonly asked for autographs on the street. What? You let people sign your barrel? Feast your eyes. It's beautiful. You want more of this? You're in the right place. The Smitty and Mitty Show. Double barrel action, baby. We should be called this the podcast. Just <laughs> get it. You're ridiculous. Double barrel action coming your way on the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. I am Smitty. He is Mitty. And, uh, Mitty, that is a killer intro, man. It sounds all right. Now I got I got to think about your barrel for the whole time, but that's just because you're not wearing a shirt. So it well, has nothing uh, to do with the intro, really. If I put a shirt on, then it would just ruin the mood. Fun fact, we'd like to say thank you to Kevin Hillsden. No barrel there, which is why we don't invite him on to talk. But, but we'd like to thank you for the killer intro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin hooking us up with some uh, some killer intros, some killer uh, content. And uh, if you uh, haven't noticed on our social media pages, he is also the designer of our killer new logo. So uh, we might as well rename this the Kevin Hillsden Show because he's just putting in all the effort here. A lot more than I am, I can tell you that. A lot more than I am. <laughs> uh, we got some big sports to talk today as uh, uh, the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs are ramping up. And uh, maybe we got our first big guest joining us today is Mr. Uh, Kevin Churchman will join the show later on. Yeah, I want to say a huge thanks to Kevin too. He doesn't uh, from my hometown. It was it was very nice of him to come on to get a true NHL player that just came out of the bubble to start our uh, to, as our first interview. That's pretty big, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned it uh, in the interview. Uh, Popping our interview cherry, and uh, what better guy to do it than uh, Churchy joining the show? Um, as mentioned, talking about some NHL as the playoffs are uh, well underway now, moving into the next round and. Uh, Maybe a lot of surprises when I look at the playoff tree. A lot of teams I didn't think moving on. It shocked me a little bit. You remember last week when we were doing our NBA and I was like, hey, let's do a hockey one too. And you were like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. I'm really, really happy you didn't <laughs> because I think I got four right out of the eight series or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. It wasn't a great uh, a great showing for middle midi. To be completely honest with you, I, I I look at the playoff bracket. I want to say I would have picked some of these, but I don't really think there's a chance in hell that I would have. Um, you know, you look at some of those teams. Dallas, I didn't have moving on. Vancouver. Like, there's some teams in there that I didn't think would be as far as they are today. But props to them. They're moving on. And the, the NHL playoff race really heating up here as we uh, move on another round. Yeah, you talked me into picking... Uh the Habs, and I really, really didn't want to pick the Habs, and I don't know, your your enthusiasm about them really got me going, and I shouldn't have, I really shouldn't have, they were, they, they're, a, they're a pretty bad team, that was in 22nd or wherever the hell they were in, and they shouldn't have been in the playoffs, realistically, they should have been in that, that uh, screw-up draft pick, but uh, yeah, so they're kind of where they deserve, and um, and you hurt me, so I'm pretty sour about it. Um, are you surprised at all to see um, any of the other teams moving on? Boston, uh, they were a four seed, the higher seed in that playoff series um, against Carolina, but I thought Carolina really was a team with a lot of energy and thought they could have carried that a little bit further than a 4-1 to loss in that series. Boston is a much better team, and the only thing that would have hurt them was their goalie leaving the bubble. That would have hurt them uh, huge. But they battled through it, and it didn't phase them at all, and I thought they were pretty dominant throughout. Um, obviously, the Canes lose one of their best uh, one of their best players, so that hurts them too. And I There's not a whole lot here that I shouldn't have picked, but I just didn't because I was trying to be edgy, 
and I shouldn't have been edgy. I should have just been uh, smart. Yeah, a little bit upset that uh, you know some of these teams are moving on. But like you said, we didn't put any money down on the NHL playoffs, so it's not really hurting our pockets at all. Um, the NBA playoffs, we'll talk about that later on in the show. Big money down on that, though. So uh, And a beard die. And no, no beard die. We didn't really actually confirm that. We shook. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay and the Boston, that series... Um, I think is probably has the legs to be uh, one of the you know more interesting series this round. I, I think that one could go the distance between two of, in my opinion, probably the top teams remaining in the NHL playoffs. Those are two of the absolute powerhouses in hockey. Like that's the only thing I don't like about this whole bracket reseeding thing. I don't like how you get that. Like that almost should be a, like a finals or at least. A, a conference finals like those two teams are really 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 good and we were kind of robbed last year with Tampa um, not being able to take care of the Blue Jackets actually getting swept so now that they were able to get past that that's kind of like that that first step for them it's a huge step it's it's kind of like the Raptors getting out of the first round getting into those uh, those more important games and if they just elevate their game the good thing I think about Tampa when they were playing uh, the Blue Jackets is they actually they kind of played a Blue Jacket game and beat them at their game. And that's something that's really important to try and hold back this Boston offense, I think. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, two of the big powerhouse teams in, well, at least the Eastern Conference, I'd, I'd argue the NHL, two of the bigger teams there. I just think when you look at that and you look at, like you said, the whole reseeding um, and, and Tampa Bay playing Boston, the other series, to be completely honest with you, which is Philadelphia and the Islanders, doesn't interest me nearly as much. I just don't think there's as much there. It just seems like whoever wins that round is just going to be done in by whoever wins the other round, and it's not even really going to be close. So that's the only reason it's not too interesting. That's why, I mean, it builds rivalries, and that's why they did it this way. So I can see that, but I think it kind of robs you of that late-round series. Yeah, and, and, I mean, we can only just wait and see how that goes. Who knows, maybe the uh, the series winner from Philly and the Islanders will go on and beat either Boston or Tampa. I, I just, like you said, I think... Everyone's kind of looking at this, and of course, anything can happen this year. I mean, that's not to say that those guys don't have a shot. You know what the really good thing about uh, the Islanders playing early is? Because they're not going to get the late games. It'll be Boston-Tampa. You know what the good thing about them playing early? Uncle Lou will be able to stay up. He can have his <laughs> afternoon nap, and he can go to bed early, and the team plays yeah. right in the middle. Because when he, when he was the GM of the Leafs, Every time they played a night game, I was like, well, losing bed. Like, what's yeah. he's like, we're watching? Yeah, he uh, a little bit past his bedtime. I, I agree with you. And, you know, uh, I don't think we're going to see. I didn't see the the uh, the round schedule there for Philly and the Islanders. But like you said, I don't think they're going to probably get any late games there. They might throw in the odd one. But uh, uh, moving over to the West, Mitty, um, it's the Vegas Golden Knights versus the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And a series there that, to be honest with you, I didn't see Vancouver moving on. And, uh, and and beating St. Louis like they did. But there they are, and they've got a tough, tough second-round opponent. I had, um, yeah, I, I had the Blues because I thought the Blues just had that extra force. In Game 3, they really looked like they they stepped up and they were just starting to play better. They're starting to play like a defending champ. They're playing tough hockey. And I thought at that point that it was just like, well, it's done for the Canucks. But they rallied back and they finished up the series. Um, so yeah, who knows once you get past there. The Knights have been surprising ever since they were the they came into the league. There's they, they haven't had a bad year. So I think it's interesting as well. The Knights they uh, they beat uh, Chicago in the first round four to one. 
I think, like you said, since they came in, obviously they put on quite the show in their first year, but they haven't had a bad year since they joined the league. And I think they're a team that I don't think has a whole lot of star power. And they're not going to kill you with the first line. But they do have a, a lot of depth on that team. And I think that's how they're going to win games. Well, they had everyone's trash. Like, they literally, every team took out their trash to the curb. And then the Knights just came along and picked whatever empty bottle they wanted to make a team. So, they've made some trades on top of that. But really nothing spectacular. They're just a bunch of misfits playing hockey. And and it's actually really exciting to watch. To watch a team that doesn't really have that huge star. Um, I don't know. I think it's exciting you. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, well, like you said, they don't have any huge stars. They got some some guys that are bigger name players, but um, no one that is sitting there and, and sitting that thinking that you're going to run the team with them, of course. Um, but I, I just think that's a series that I look at it and I want to say it shouldn't really be that big of a challenge for Vegas. But Vancouver showed already that they, uh, you know, they they might have a chance to make a little bit of a run at it this year. You know what the big thing was too with Vegas is everyone was saying, "Oh, well, their home ice is so important because players are going to Vegas, right? They're going to spend a night out here, spend a night out there. They're going to be tired coming into the building. The building's loud and it's just it's full of drunk gamblers." So, but now they're not in that building. They're in a bubble where there's no fans and they're still taking care of business. So it's a, it's actually kind of a big series for them now that I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other series in the West, Colorado and Dallas. Um, two teams that, when I look at it, I mean, I did think Colorado was going to beat Phoenix. That one didn't surprise me a whole lot. I know you thought a little differently on that. But the uh, the Dallas series is one that I had Calgary, although they were the lower seed in that series, I had Calgary um, actually beating Dallas. So uh, a surprise to me in that series. Yeah, in this whole... Uh... Both of those series, I uh, uh, please don't go back and listen to episode one if you uh, if you're scared <laughs> coming into two, because um, yeah, I had the uh, Yotes going right to the conference final, and the next day I think they lost six one. So it, they heard me, they didn't show up, and they went home. And then uh, I'm sure they're all listening, by the way. Um, yeah, and then the Flames I thought was the best Canadian team, and now here are the Canucks, the only Canadian team to move on the last last dream. So on on that note, before we uh, before we move on a little bit, there's a lot of talk on social media right now about Canadian teams in hockey and in the playoffs, and whether or not if there's one Canadian team left, they should be the team that Canada cheers for. What are your opinions on that? Because to be completely honest with you, I don't really care. I couldn't care less. There, like realistically, is something like eighty something percent of the league is Canadian. Like, does it really matter which team brings it home besides the Leafs? Because yeah. the Leafs go. But other than that, <laughs> well. uh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, bottom dweller. Yeah. As soon as you can fill a building in the playoffs, then we'll start talking. Then you can maybe win a cup. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I almost would rather cheer for... Uh, I'm not going to cheer for Boston, and I'm not going to cheer for Tampa. But I, I wouldn't mind cheering for, you know, Vegas. I think they're a pretty fun team to watch. I don't even mind cheering for the Flyers. I like Hardy. Kind of excites me a bit, but no, it doesn't phase me at all. Like I don't know, just because they're a Canadian team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you bring up a good point. The amount of Canadian players, um, and I think a lot of things. You know, everyone says, "Oh, Vancouver or whoever it is that year is the only Canadian team left in the playoffs." Canadians have to cheer for them. I think there's a 
a very few different uh, mindsets for Canadian hockey fans when their team gets knocked out of the playoffs. And to be completely honest with you, I think a lot of them might follow a team that has a local guy on it. For example, uh, you know, you look at here in southwestern Ontario, there's NHL players in the playoffs. So I think you're going to pick a team there that has a guy that's local and you might get to see the cup come to your hometown or at least somewhere close by. Um, I think that's a mindset that a lot of Canadian hockey fans are going to in the NHL playoffs. What was the last time the last Canadian team was 93, the Canadians? To win the cup, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I think it also, like it kind of has that aura of a Canadian team doesn't have to be good. Like, they don't have to be good to draw those numbers. Like, the Leafs haven't been good for, like, realistically good for years, but they still sell out that building. It's not, when you get down to, like, Vegas, they have to be good, otherwise they're not going to sell the building. Otherwise, it's going to be half empty. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it's it's interesting, like you said. I mean, some of those Canadian markets, and uh, you'll you'll call me out on this because my team struggles to fill the building, but uh, they're one of the few Canadian teams that does. Everyone else, I think, around the country um, doesn't really have an issue with that, whether they're a competitive team or not. Of course, if they're absolutely trash, you might have trouble, but aside from that, if you've got a decent hockey team who has a good chance at winning uh, anytime they go out, then there shouldn't be any problem filling the building. But for your team, and we'll just, I'm going to throw you under the bus here, <laughs> like it's the Senators, right? I can't, not good. But I think the only reason they don't sell a building is because the genius ownership built a building 40 minutes out of the city where it's almost impossible to get to with little parking. Like, it's just a terrible place for a building. It doesn't mean that there's no fans. There's obviously tons of fans. It's just hard to get to the building. If you put that arena downtown, you probably fill it. Absolutely, and uh, I'll be the first one to try and vouch for him, obviously, being a Sens fan. But, yeah, it's it's interesting, actually, to bring that up because – it's, it really is an ownership thing. A lot of people won't go because they don't want to support the ownership. I think that's kind of a double-edged sword because in the end, I mean, there's days that honestly I think that my favorite hockey team might no longer exist in five years. They might be out the door if they don't figure everything out sooner rather than later. Well, I mean, they have to it, – it's getting to a point where they need a new owner. They Like when your owner goes out and tries to gamble half your winnings from the year before, like – just to try and keep the team afloat, that's rough. And when they can't, when they have to build on cheap land out of town, that's rough. So yeah, I hope the Senators are around. It's it used to be on a massive rivalry, rivalry, when the Canadians and or sorry, when the uh, Maple Leafs and the Senators met, the Battle of Ontario. But it just has been pretty flat ever since uh, Matthews. Yeah, it it really has been since uh, the Leafs kind of got their uh, you know their stars there and and put together a good roster. And Why are we talking about the Sens? I don't know. We're talking. We kind of just uh, rambled off here. You wanted to talk though about uh, John Tortorella and his recent press conference after the exit of his club. Listen, it was it was interesting. Do we have a Middies rant? You know what? One of one of my ball players, one of the the guys on my team. He's not my personal ball player. One of the guys on my team, he, uh, he, uh, what do you say to call it? The midday rant, something like that, because it's posted midday. I like that. Let's keep that. The midday rant. We'll go with it. Put it in the back. Chalk it up. We'll get Kevin on an intro. Okay. Oh, Kevin Hilston. Let's throw that back in. Uh, Yeah, so it, it really frustrates me listening to Tortorella. Here's the deal. He's a really good coach. He had 21 years in the NHL as a coach. He has a six, 
um, 155 wins versus 515 losses. A cup, obviously in Tampa Bay. Um, and he's two-time coach of the year. Like, he has that resume, resume, but people just hate him. I feel like people hate him. You need to be able to come on to the mic and reassure the fans that the team's okay. That's just half your job. Like, Yeah, it's... I think a lot of people, especially nowadays with, you know, the day and age of social media, a lot of people say, hey, if they don't want to talk to the media, they don't have to. They shouldn't have to. But that's that's not how crap. it works. That is, like you said, their job as a professional athlete, that's included in there, especially nowadays with how much media there is. You got to know you're going to have to talk to the media at some point, whether it be TV, radio, um, just answer questions after game. Everyone does it. They've been doing it for years. And it's not like, like if you if you didn't hear the actual um, press conference, it was a, a reporter came on and basically said, "Hey, how do you feel about your players? You know, we're in a special circumstance in the bubble. Everyone's tighter. Uh, what's the feeling leaving the bubble? Is it hurt even more? That kind of thing, which I think is a pretty good question. Like, it's not a bad question. This is a weird circumstance where people are closer together, and you may be mingling a little bit more. You're like, it's a it's a question. We're starving for information about what inside the bubble is like and stay here in the Smitty Mitty show because we'll, we have a player telling you a little bit more. But, um, yeah, we're looking for that insight. And for him to just take that question and say, I'm not answering that. I'm not answering an emotional question, I think is what he said. And he just stands up and leaves. When there's nobody in the room either, he's all by himself. He's in a Zoom call. It's You get paid tons of money, not just to coach the team, but to be the face of the team. And maybe that's why a coach of his pedigree keeps getting shoved around because owners and fans are just tired of taking his bull crap. And the players, a lot of reports out of from his players say he's kind of the same in the room. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the whole walking out thing. And like you said, he, he didn't do it in a rude way. You know, it was a polite, I'm not answering any emotional questions, left a press conference. But like you said, I think uh, the media is looking for a way to get some of that inside information out. They People want to know what it's like inside the bubble. People want to know how it is to you know, be away from family and be in an enclosed uh, atmosphere. And for him to just not really give an answer there, of course, I can understand, you know, coming off a loss there, you're probably frustrated, a little bit upset. But like you said, you got to talk to the media. It's Don't be a baby. Like, you, you can't be a child. You're a 60-year-old man. You have to face the fact that you failed. You failed, and you have to sit there and face it for 10, 20 minutes, and then move on, and then cash your check. But you can't you just pull up pull up the uh, diaper for a little bit. Well, moving on now, uh, Mitty, we, we got a guest on the show today. And, do we? Uh, we do for the first time, uh, episode two here, and uh, I'm not going to lie, we're starting off on a pretty good foot here. This is a killer guest. It's pretty good, yep. Pretty good. Uh, Kevin Churchman joins the show, uh, uh, NHL player, recently coming from the NHL bubble in Toronto, a uh, member of the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins as well, um, and uh, of course, local guy as well. Got uh, got some NHL experience. Um yeah, ton, tons of AHL games. Uh, just a guy who's been around the game. And as we talk about in here, he took a bit of a weird route to get to the NHL. Um, not your typical straight line. So it's an interesting talk, and I hope everybody enjoys it. 
So without further ado, we'll uh, go ahead here and the uh, interview with uh, Kevin Churchman. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. I'm Smitty. He is Mitty, and uh, an awesome guest joining us here today, Mitty, as uh, Kevin Churchman joins us on the phone. And uh, uh, Kevin, you're fresh off a trip from the NHL bubble. How are you doing today? I'm uh, doing great. Uh, I mean, I wish I was still there and we were still playing, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, happy to be here. Happy to be with you guys. Well, thanks for coming, Churchy. You are our, uh, you're popping our cherry. You are we're we're interview virgins here, so. So be slow with us, all right? <laughs> Don't force it. So uh, we just wanted to start by uh, talking about uh, um, talking about the bubble, what you just what just happened. So maybe talk to us for a second about um, what it was like being in the bubble, uh, what it was like, kind of being around the players twenty four seven, and just the general feel of the area. Yeah, I mean the NHL put on an absolutely unbelievable job with this. Uh, it's we were pretty privileged to be playing hockey in the middle of a pandemic and you know they they went through like top to bottom with making it as normal or whatever to to the regular season playoffs as it as it can be and you know they had uh bmo field so we had tennis court or not tennis courts but uh, the field to like kick soccer balls play like lawn games they had restaurants there little pop-up restaurants uh, tons of patios uh, they had tennis courts indoor, like, like they went, it was almost like the hotel X we were staying at. It was almost like it was made to host like an NHL playoff bubble. It was just incredible. And, uh, you know, the transportation, they basically had everything sealed off from the outside world. Like, you know, they, a lot of time and effort went into it and it, uh, it's definitely showing, um, it's a uh, one hell of an event and, uh, it's pretty cool to watch and it was cool to be part of. Yeah, it's certainly looking like it's really paying off for the NHL, of course, uh, keeping everyone safe. Um, you mentioned you would have liked to, of course, stay a lot longer in the bubble. But did you get a sense in your time there that players were getting a little bit homesick or that, you know, maybe being separated from the outside world a little bit was getting to them? Uh, for, like, me personally, I can't really – it's hard to speak for everyone else. But, like, for me personally, you know, just being there was awesome. Like, I was, I was soaking it up. and. Uh, you know, I wasn't playing, but like being a block ace and being a part of it and whatever like uh, regard it was, it was it was so cool for me personally. And uh, no, I think like uh, everyone there, like at the end of the day, once you once you get on the ice and you just start playing hockey, it's it, 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 there's like the outside world, all that distraction kind of goes away. And uh, you know, you, you start seeing that, and like you start seeing these like the chippiness in the games and all that, and it's it was there and. Uh, no, I, th- I think they did such a good job too. Where it's it kind of has that. Uh, it kind of remind me of when I was in college, and in college hockey, we were you do everything. You go to class, you live with your teammates, you did everything with them. Like you slept beside them basically because you lived in the dorms, and you know it, it kind of had that feel. And it was it, it's a the team that's going to come out at the end is going to have like a really special bond that a lot of other teams that necessarily might have might not have had this opportunity to have that closeness as a group wouldn't have felt but so I think in that regard it's going to be pretty cool the final team and uh but no I think uh I think it's everyone's pretty much on board with it we're definitely going to get to your uh college years because you took quite a an awkward weird path to the NHL so we're definitely going to get to that but sticking with the bubble now being in those arenas um 
what was the feel of having a, like a 20 seat arena that just had nobody in it? And I know the NHL has done a lot of good work too for viewers at home to, to pump in that crowd noise and to show us the video boards and to make it kind of seem half normal. But for you being in the arena, what was it kind of like? Oh, it was cold. It was, it was really cold. <laughs> you don't really say that, that, uh, at an NHL arena, but, uh, no, I think the ice was unbelievable. Uh, um, I, I mean, once the game was starting and you're invested in the game and you don't really notice all that, it's kind of, I don't know. I thought it'd be a, a big difference or, uh, whatever you'd notice it more, but the intensity was there. And I think they pumped in like a, like, it was kind of like, a like a chatter the whole game. You kind of noticed like while the game was going on. So other than that, I didn't really notice the crowd noise, but, uh, you know, it's, it was pretty cool to kind of see the, how they put it all together and whatnot. And, you know, it, it would have been sweet to still be there, but, uh, like I said, it's just wasn't in the cards this year. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned, um, you know, you thought the NHL has done a fantastic job with setting up the bubble and everything. Um, of course, testing is obviously going to be a tedious process there. Um, how was the testing process overall for you? Did you feel like the NHL did a good job at that? Yeah, they did. They did an incredible job with that. Um, they did it uh, so each team would kind of have like a set hour to test. And it was every day. And it was like a nasal swab, so it wasn't it wasn't too invasive at all. Um, it's like by the time you're like go in there, register for it, and and leave, it's probably about five minutes total. So it's it's not like a it's like a minor hiccup of your day, if anything. And uh, they they did a great job with that too. I mean, I'm pumping their tires hard right now, but uh, they they really have. And uh, you know, it's it wasn't that big of a deal really the testing, but. Uh, Back, even dating back to when I was in Pittsburgh uh, for like the stage two and stage three, I think of it, uh, we did testing there as well, and that was a saliva test, so it wasn't bad as as well. But no, they've they've you, you can tell each team's invested their own dollars into it as well. It's not just the NHL, so you know it's a big operation and it's doing well. All right, when you look at the two of us, the first <laughs> thing you probably think is we like to eat. We were hearing we were hearing out of the NBA bubble how they didn't like the sandwiches brought. Tell me about the grub. Did you get many chicken wings? <laughs> I, I've actually kind of swayed away from meat, so uh, no chicken wings. But uh, no, it's the food was. <laughs> I keep going down, but they, they the food was incredible. Like every uh, we were uh, we had a couple of chefs, and so they had it for our pre meals. Normally, how it works, like in the NHL. You go in there for your pregame meal, and you kind of you, you, you scoop your own pasta and all that stuff and whatnot, your chicken, all that stuff. But you know, they had they had chefs behind there, and they like customized it and made it for you. So that was the only difference between that and like a regular NHL regular season pregame meal or whatever. But and we had a like a concierge room for our team that always had like waters and not. And then also you have you have Uber Eats and like you could do stuff like that. So it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like you're completely cut off. You can get, uh, if you need chicken wings, you can get your chicken wings. You can, <laughs> there's, there's ways around it. So it was, no, the food was great. I mean, the restaurants there were <laughs> pretty top notch. They were pretty if national. There's one, yeah. If there's one thing that Lou William loves, this is chicken wings. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, talking a little bit about uh, your college route, we, we said we'd touch on that. Um, why did you decide to go the route that you did and, and go to college? I know I, I grew up like like any kid in like Ontario and you always 
the number one choice is playing the OHL because that's the quickest the quickest path to see on TV and whatnot to get to the NHL. And you know the OHL markets it really well. And I was up till I was 17 years old. I was like my heart was set on playing in the NHL. And you know I just grew way tape for which worked out unbelievable for me. And it's crazy how timing like that. So, but I th- I didn't really truly grow until I went to Newmark in uh, OJHL. So. I kind of, the, the decision was kind of made for me. Um, and then it was, uh, at the time, like out of junior B and junior C, there wasn't a ton of scholarships. So it's kind of debating whether I do, do engineering, kind of, I gave it a good look and I gave it a good chance in hockey or my, me and my dad talked to my mom and he figured out that why not just try more, go tier two in a uh, new market. And I went there and within like a week or two, I had a couple of offers and, uh, you know, it's just from there, it just kind of every, every year I kind of got better. And, you know, I never, when I went to Lake State, all I wanted to do was just make the team and just, like, I didn't really have aspirations at that point. Like I, the NHL seemed far away to be honest. And, uh, you know, I kind of had that uh, next day and attitude and it kind of, kind of helped me kind of being like naive to the whole big picture. I kind of was just working to try being the best defenseman on, on my team. And then, from there trying to be the best defenseman in my division and kind of grow from there. So kind of cool looking back on it, how it all kind of unraveled. But uh, at the time, no, there wasn't like a big grand like master plan where I'm like a controlling a chessboard and I'm picking my career like that way. It was just kind of, kind of fell into my lap that way. Yeah. All right. Let's take you uh, to a very special oh. day in your life. You're, you're sitting there you get the phone call you're going to the show what, what were you doing what were you feeling what was going on well uh so i was in uh in college actually up at uh like up in sault ste marie michigan i don't know if a lot of people know where that is but it's right across the board from sault ste marie Camp. so <laughs> so it's uh i was in my dorm and it kind of i've had talks with the others kind of for a year now and there was a couple other teams but uh no they were a kind of front runner and yeah, I think it was like maybe beginning of March or so our team got put out and right after that happened, it kind of st- stuff moved really fast. Uh, I was getting all sorts of calls and then uh, I narrowed it down that New York was my best option to play in the NHL at the time. It's, you know what, looking back on it, I do the exact same thing. I You can't predict what's going to happen in the future. And, uh, you know, it's it was pretty cool to... It was a pretty cool phone call when I got the phone call going to play in the NHL or get signed with the Islanders and it was cool to call my dad and my mom and brothers and let them know like hey this is what's going on and it was uh it's one of those moments kind of that uh I don't know you you, you can't really put in words because it was kind of it wasn't just my dream it was kind of everyone's kind of shared dream and it was uh it was definitely something that uh you know really hit home and uh no I'll, I'll never forget it even though I went dash three my NHL debut uh <laughs> it was one of the coolest moments of my life, uh, Minnesota Wild in New York. Um, you can't really, <laughs> you can't really put into words. Just uh, like you, 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 at that point, you kind of look back at your path and you go, "My God, five years ago, I was playing junior C hockey. Like, how did this happen?" And it's kind of <laughs> when you have that, like, I don't know, inch by inch focus. It kind of, it's kind of cool to see, see a mile down the road. I'd say. So now. Now we're going to take you to New York. You're you're into the building. Your family's there. Yep. You're you're about to have one of the most special days of your life. 
how many people came over to you and asked you how to pronounce your name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I still get that. Um, I like every, so I had like two, two, like, like really good chance to, like, I guess, change my name and pronounce it properly. Trust me. <laughs> but so when I went to like college at Lake Superior, they, back then they're like, yeah, do you want to say it properly? And then I'm like, no, nah, my family said it this way. What everybody really think we've always said churchmen. So whatever, go through college, be a churchman. And then I get to uh, New York and they asked me like day one, the NHL, whatever. They're like, how do you, how do you want it pronounced? And I, I talked to a scout, I think from Calgary. And he's like, he said to me, this is before I went there, but he's like, if your family said it that way your whole life, he's like, who cares what anyone else thinks? Just go with that. He's like, cause I know your grandma, your dad, your brothers, they say it that way. Stick with it. And he's like, screw them all. He's like, keep it that way. And it, it kind of stuck with me. And, uh, no, even even up until last year, in Wilkesbury in Pittsburgh, they're like the radio guys. Like, hey, do you want do you want me to change it to Chutchman? Do you want me to go down? Like, Are no, you sure? It's been, it's been going on this long. They're like, hey, yeah, I know, I know, it's been a while, but like, yeah. we can we can There's change no it if you want to. R. We can change it if you want yeah. to. Uh, uh, one other thing on on that NHL note, uh, NHL dot com says that you have a one hundred percent face off percentage in the show. Is this true? I don't No, I've never taken a draw in the NHL. Uh, That's think, really disappointing. I don't know. They're, they're, <laughs> I wish I had a better story for you there. Like I <laughs> snapped one back on Crosby or something like that. <laughs> no, there's nothing like that. No. In the AHL, it's actually, because in five on three, sometimes, you know, when the, when the setter gets kicked out and there's two D out there, one of the D's got to take it. I'm always the first D to get right in there. I love taking those. <laughs> I've taken three in my career. I think I'm, one for two. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. We'll take it. Yeah. So what is, yeah. um, I know we talked, <laughs> uh, you're probably wondering why we keep talking about food here on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> what is like your go-to pregame meal? Go-to pregame? Uh, uh, I, you know what? Like, here's the most basic answer. Chicken and pasta. I use, like, that's pretty much locked in, but. There's been times, like, I remember when I was playing for the Manitoba Moose and I was, like, whatever, slumping a little bit. I wasn't, like, feeling it. And I saw some article, Patrick Kane went and got sushi before games. And he started switching it up a little bit. So I'm like, all right, if Patrick, if it works for Patrick Kane, it works for me. And I, I did that. I ate sushi in Winnipeg a couple times and then uh, started getting some points, started playing a little better. And I just ran with it. I think I finished, like, the last quarter of the year, I, I ate sushi every pregame meal that I could. So maybe that's uh, and I went back, but then an extra went back to my normal. No, that's the only other one wrinkle I've thrown in my pregame meal. So as you know, I am a postgame meal is a whole other story though. (laughs) A couple of these. The uh, so as you know, I uh, I'm a terrible (laughs) hockey official back home. Uh, so I wanted to ask you. Sometimes we get caught up looking at the NHL officials and kind of making them our scapegoats. What was the difference for you going level to level to level in the officiating specifically? Uh, there's a difference, yeah. I'll be like, there's obviously the NHL has the best refs and linesmen and whatnot, and I mean they they they're I, from what I understand they're on similar contracts to like what we are, where they get two way contracts one way in the NHL and AHL and all that. But like I, I've always had a pretty good relationship with uh, referees. Like I, I mean. At the end of the day, it's human nature. If you're gonna get on them all game, harass them, they're gonna 
not want to help out. Okay. You know, I, I've always, we've always asked, done like cop bad cop. I've always felt like I did cop in that situation. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, there's, uh, you know, in the HL, we see a lot of like the local, um, we get like local line that do us for seeing Lehigh Valley games. Um, but like, as far as like the refs, I mean, they're constantly being evaluated, just like their their guys come to town and whatnot. So, no, they've they're they're on top of it. And they're they're pretty good in the AHL as well. I'll give them that. Um, you know, it's there's cameras everywhere. So if you miss a call, you you can't be missing too many calls over and over before someone says something. So uh, they've been pretty good. Now, uh, over 350... I can't speak. I, I don't remember my Junior C days, though. I don't know who... <laughs> oh, believe me, who it's a lot, that's a lot worse than Junior C, I can tell you that. You need to get this guy doing your games. Yeah, <laughs> I hold down the lines. I hold those those boards up real well. Yeah, I was an umpire once. So I, I was an umpire back in the day in Fort Elgin, so I kind of... Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel for it way back in. Wow, that's got to be... Yeah. Bernie Gill was one of the umps too, so it was a, <laughs> it's a great time. Uh, now, in your AHL career, uh, over 350 games played, um, has there been a favorite place for you to play in in the AHL, a favorite rank or a favorite city to visit? Um, favorite, definitely like favorite, uh, favorite rank for me personally is Hershey. I don't know why, but the Hershey Bears, the uh, AHL farm team of Washington. And even dating back to when I played in uh, Bridgeport, I, I don't know why, but I've always good success there. And, uh, you know, Wilkes-Barre, and she's had, they're only 40 minutes away, so it would be like Owen Sound and Pelgan and or Kinkern and Port Elgin, their rivalry. That's kind of – it's gone back uh, years now. So it's just one of those cool barns, always pack it. Um, it's like a mini NHL rink. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the London, London Knights rink, so – I don't know. It's a really cool atmosphere, and there's always like you're playing for something more. Just year after year, regular season AHL games. So, uh, I guess the people, people in both cities, really, really want to beat the next. So, uh, I think Hershey, the uh, favorite city, be like Toronto or San Diego when I was in the West. But uh, definitely, like any time you can play in Toronto or Belleville or whatnot, you can have friends and family come to the games. So. That's about it for that. Perfect. Well, uh, I don't think we're going to hold you up for too much longer here. I'll uh, I'll say goodbye and I'll say thank you. And hopefully in 10, 15 years down the line, you can trip me as I'm going around the net in Port Elgin playing for the Winterhawks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And I wish you guys all the best with your podcast. Uh, looks like you guys are onto something really cool here. We're trying. We're trying our best, and uh, you know what? We'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, that is Kevin Churchman joining us here on the show, and uh, we'll be right back here after the break. All right, listeners, if you're hearing this, it means you either watch or play sports, but either way, it's sports, sports, sports in your life. Don't look back at your glory days with just stories. Immortalize yourself or a loved one in style. That's right, Kev's Cards does amateur sports custom trading cards. You can go check out his work on Instagram at kevscards underscore, or you can email him with your request at kevinhillsden at outlook.com. 
Team sets and single player packages are available at this time. Again, you can find him at Cards underscore on Instagram or email him with a request at kevinhillsden at outlook.com. We are back, Smitty and Mitty Show. I am Smitty. He is Mitty. Um, fantastic interview there, Mitty. Our first interview, and uh, what a great guy. Hey, hey. Just rocking out over there. Yeah, here. I just like this. <laughs> I'd like to thank Logan Cardoso, my uh, my cousin, for putting that bed together. Uh, yeah, he was an amazing guest. Uh, Typical hockey players are like, yes, no, get the puck deep. But no, he <laughs> get the puck deep. I didn't even ask him that. I would have loved if we just came out and said, hey, how was the bubble? He goes, oh, you know, we just got to get the puck deep, get behind the D. <laughs> no, but he was a great interview. He uh, he elaborated on uh, some things, gave us a little insight into the bubble, uh, talked about some food. Yeah, so uh, a great hockey guest there. Next week on the show, fantastic baseball guest will be joining us as well. I'm not going to spoil that for you yet, though. Um, we'll get to that later on. I'll uh, tell you, we do a lot less talking in that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> we, get, we do a whole lot less talking in that one. Uh, MLB, Blue Jays. Blue Jays went on a little bit of a streak there for a little bit last week, Mitty. Uh, they showed us that they could possibly be looking at getting into the playoff race, maybe, but then the injuries hit. Yeah, injuries hurt, but I mean, I think what we saw was that Baltimore is the team that we thought Baltimore was, and obviously Philly goes out and get workmen, so they knew that their pen was a problem. And boy, is it a problem when you blow a seven-run lead. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we just saw two teams that came in that weren't quite the teams we thought they were. Um, and then they go off to Tampa, and Tampa is Tampa. You know, they take the first one really nice, look for a split tomorrow after a couple losses. Uh, yeah, I think it was just kind of weak teams. Like you said, we still got like New York still coming back. You still got ten games against New York. That's not going to be pretty. Yeah, that, I think that honestly, and we, we knew that when the schedule came out, that that was going to suck. That was going to be terrible having to play back end of your game is against the Yankees. In like, I don't, I can't remember the exact number, but I'm pretty sure they play at least half their games against the Yankees in like the final week and a half. Like they need to get wins now if they want to have a shot at this, because it's going to be tough going down the stretch. Yeah, either you kind of either want the Yankees at the start or you want them at the very end, because maybe you catch them just kind of lolling into the playoffs where they're already they're already set, or maybe you catch them with a couple guys resting, with a couple guys that are hurt. It's the middle, but I mean, you never want the chunkier games to be against, against the Yankees. And, and the ways the Rays are going right now, they're leading the division. You don't really want to play the Yankees either. The big thing is you still have another series against Miami. You still got one about Baltimore, and you still got some against Philly. So those are the games you have to take care of. Red and then, like Sox I said, well. you go, yeah. yeah. And the Red Sox have been terrible, and they traded half their bullpen away. So yeah, you just got to go in and take care of the games that you can take care of, and then hope to fifty-fifty um, uh, those other big games. But really, should we even have hope about playoff spot? Like first of all, even if they make it, they're throwing Ryu in a three-game series. Are they going to go to Pearson? Like, he, he hasn't looked very good. No. And he's hurt. Who are they going to go to? He's shown, on, on that Pearson note, he's shown a lot of bright spots, I think. I think he's is the pitch selection, whether that's on him, the catcher, the pitching coach, whoever it is. I think he's not throwing the fastball enough, in my opinion. But you sneak into the eighth spot, and then you end up playing um, the athletics. Like, do you feel comfortable throwing 
Pearson in that role. Like, maybe he's good, maybe he's not. Ryu is Ryu. You want him there. But after that, what do you... Like, you're going to throw Rourke? Yeah, and I think that's the, the, big, the big problem right now for the Blue Jays, of course, with all the injuries going on. Um, I think pitching is clearly going to be the spot that they struggle at this year. And I think we knew that coming in. I think we knew that their pitching wasn't going to be their strong point. Yeah, it seemed like they were building a veteran staff that could just carry them over to the Wood Richardsons. You know, that second wave. And you kind of got Ryu trying to be your number two once Pearson's ready to perform. I think a lot of it comes off of Pearson when he's ready to be good. And you can go Pearson, Ryu, and then maybe Woods, um, Richardson. Yeah, yeah that kind of sets you up. But yeah, I don't think I think it was built to be a veteran um, staff, and it's not really built to win right now. And they're not going to go by it. Well, think and like we've talked about, you know, we talked about it last week. We'll talk about it again this week. The Blue Jays, if this wasn't a shortened season with an extended playoffs, are not looking at the playoffs. So I don't think they need to come in here this season and make, you know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be a fan of the Jays at the deadline moving guys to go for a playoff run. The thing they have is a bunch of, like, midline starting depth. So if it's a team that's looking for a midline starter, like, do you think right now if Pearson's going to be out for a bit and if Thornton's now going to be out for a little bit and Shoemaker's going to be kind of going to have to build himself back out, like you got to take Kay and Brucky, who have been throwing really well in the pen. Do you take them and move them into a starting role? Because that maybe puts a hole in your pen. Mer- Merriweather helps now that he's up. Congratulations on uh, on your MLB debut. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you, you got to. Do you think the lefties are going to move in? Honestly, I have no idea. To I don't want to see Wegus back. Yeah. No. But it's 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 just so tough to look at. And I think we've already seen that we can't really predict what kind of moves they're going to make, who's going to go where. Uh, it'll be interesting to see for the Blue Jays down the stretch. And, you know, like we talked about, they had a big win streak there that kind of helped them get into the middle of the pack and, and kind of be an eye shot there of the playoffs and, and out of the basement a little bit. But uh, tough series against Tampa Bay that they're currently in right now. And, uh, you know, they got they got to try and go down the stretch. And, you know, like you said, you got to win the games against the teams you should be winning against. You can't afford to, you know, be throwing away games. You can't afford to be the mental mistakes that hurt the Blue Jays early. And I don't think we've seen any in the last couple days, if I can remember. But they might come back. I think it's a given that we're probably going to see a few more throughout the course of this season. Yeah, another kind of note is that uh, Alfred gets sent down midway through the week. He gets sent for or, uh, designated for assignment. So you got to think more than likely he's going to be snatched up somewhere because I don't see a team like Baltimore or Detroit, probably Detroit, because with his uh, legs in the outfield, um, he can cover a lot of ground in that big outfield. So you got to think someone's going to give him the at-bats. They just He wasn't going to get the at-bats in Toronto, and he needed to... Um, he needed those at bats in the major league level to see if he is a major league player. So maybe a, a bottom line team is going to give him a chance, but it just wasn't in Toronto. But I think that hurts because it's the same as Pompey. It was like we had that expectation of somebody needs to play in the outfield. Like you need, if you're going to go make a move, you need an outfielder who can bat near the top of your lineup. I think and. I'm not even say. Let's not say the top of the lineup. You need an outfielder that can play defense, and you probably need someone that's going to drive in runs. If you're not going to play rowdy against lefties, maybe a nice righty that can drive in some runs. Yeah, I think the Blue Jays 
would probably look. I, I don't know. I'm just this whole season, the whole you know how this season is going and how it's going to finish. I'm not a huge fan of making a lot of moves this year, to be completely honest with you. Not any drastic moves, at least. I think you just kind of got to roll through this season and and play it as it is. There's that other mindset where if you think, let's say tomorrow Garrett Cole blows his elbow. I don't wish it on anybody. Let's say it happens. That opens up a little bit of the AL East. Do you go add a starter? If you add a starter, who knows what happens? There's eight teams that are going to get in. There, there's that extra, those extra teams that can help you. Once you're in, who the hell knows what happens? We've seen once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So you got to get there. So there's that other frame of mind where it's like, yeah, it's the shorter, it's those freak things can happen. If you're going to be a freak team to make the playoffs and you can get that number two starter that that is going to put you over the edge and make sure you're there and give you Ryu plus somebody else, in one of those series, in that three-game series, and then you have Pearson going third, that helps you, and that gets you a little deeper in the play. So there's those two thoughts, and those two, uh, two, two ways to think, and I think I'm c- kind of working towards the second. It's just the problem of what do you pay for a rental pitcher? Yeah, you don't want to go out there and, and, and overspend. I think it'll be interesting. Like you said, there's obviously different mindsets going into it. Um, for the Blue Jays, I don't know which way they're going to go. But, I mean, who knows? If they can go out there, win some games down the stretch here, we're not quite at the halfway point of the season. So, I mean, I think as we move past that halfway point and into the second half, I think the Blue Jays and and obviously the upper management and and people in the front office, they have to really sit down and say, where are we going to try to take this team this year? Or are we going to wait off? And the other thing that could happen is what if you go out and spend some money and get somebody and then all of a sudden the season gets put on hold? Again, we have another team this week that test positive and we get the subway series canceled all weekend so are you going to go out and make those moves what if you go make that move and then the next day the the, the whole season's canceled what's going to happen then exactly and that's kind of goes back to my whole point of you don't know what's going to happen no it's and just do such you want a crap to, do you want to do you want to treat this season like a normal season in my opinion no you you got to treat it like like it is you got to treat it as if anything could stop the season like you said tomorrow you mentioned Garrett Cole. If something were to happen to him or, or any other player in the AL Easter, it could open up, but at the same time, it could close down just as quickly. And I think it'll it'll be interesting to see. Uh, moving on from the Blue Jays, but staying on baseball, the San Diego Padres, or as we should call them, the Slam Diego Padres. Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> getting called. Is uh, a good one. The most exciting team in baseball right now, Mitty. Not only the most exciting team, the most exciting player, and they're kicking up a whole bunch of shit on their way. I, I think they're probably, uh, as of the recording of this episode, I think the Padres have won six straight ball games. And um, in, in Grand Slam. In Grand Slams after games. Grand Slam. Oh, my, don't even get me started on the Grand. How do you give up Grand Slams game after game after game? If you're the teams from Texas, how do you keep on giving up Grand Slam? Walk a guy. Well, I guess walking a guy really no, doesn't solve your pieces. Throw one to the backstop. Yeah. <laughs> Throw one to the backstop. Allow the runner to just score. Balk. Just, just balk. balk. Something, That's going to save you three Something, runs. Something, man. <laughs> really. I would not be pitching to the San Diego pot, especially after I've given up Grand Slam in the last three days. Can you imagine if you were the pitcher to give up the sixth or whatever they're on? I think they're on six now, right? Yeah, can you imagine being the team, to, like the pitcher that gives up the sixth? You throw that ball, you hear the crack of the bat, you just think, 
are you kidding me? Like, that's got to come down, right? <laughs> There's no way. There's no it, it, way. And the thing is, it's getting to the point where, and to be completely honest with you, I'm not even kidding you when I say this. I looked at Twitter the other day. I said, there's no way San Diego hit another Grand Slam. Yeah, it came up as an update on, uh, like it sent through on the MLB app. They sent me an update saying Slam City, they hit another one. And I was maybe having a couple wobbly pops last night, and it didn't seem real to me. (laughs) (laughs) It it just, it it baffles me, to be completely honest. I'm not going to say it blows my mind, because that's a bit ridiculous, but... But to think that yeah, a your team, mind's blown, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> to think that a team could to, could go off like that, like the Padres have, and 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 I think they were below 500 when they started this winning streak that they're on currently, and they've kind of worked their way back up into the uh, race out there in the NL West. Can you imagine the craziness if there was 40,000 people in those buildings? Oh, for the last Grand Slam, I'd be going crazy. I'd be going it, it would be nuts. It would be crazy. It would be ridiculous. I don't even like San Diego. I'd be going nuts. I, I think the Padres, and, and like you mentioned, Fernando Tatis Jr., the most exciting player in baseball right now. I'll say that. Are we going to sure. get into the mishigosh that went on while we were while we were enjoying our week about Tatis and Woodward and like Texas? The reason that they have water on their bench is because they're all dehydrated from crying, <laughs> like. You go back. Look at look at the history. You got to go back to the to the bat flip, and and they they were so angry that they waited till the last time they were seeing Bautista that year to hit him like cowards, and then now they're crying that he took a th- an oath or a th- yeah three o pitch three o pitch yeah. right down the middle and did what he needed to do with it. Like we just saw the Rays come back from a seven or sorry the Jays come back on Philly from a seven nothing deficit. That's what they were up by. They were up by seven. And you're going to groove him a fastball. And and if Texas was just to come out and and they were to say after the game, you know, we didn't really appreciate it, um, but it is baseball. We screwed up. Let's move on. Yeah, okay, you cannot appreciate it. It probably wouldn't feel good. But then to throw at Machado and to throw at him pretty high in a place where you're probably – you can hurt a guy. Like, they deserve their th- – th- I think it was a three-game suspension for uh, the reliever and uh, one-game suspension for uh, – for Woodward, and then, but then the thing that really grinds your gears is when Tingler. First of all, change your name. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have your name. You can't put Tingler on the back of your jersey. <sighs> and then you come out and say that you're going to talk to the guy, and that it, you gave him the take, and he swung anyways. He hit a grand slam for you. He hit a grand slam in a major league baseball game. Something. I, I wish I had this stat. I didn't think of it, but how many people in the history have hit a grand slam in a major league baseball game? I mean, there's probably a bunch, but not compared to how many people there have are. Played, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like you said. I think it's it's frustrating to me. And, and one thing I saw after the fact, Texas is a team that put up 30 runs on Baltimore, like 12 yeah, but they years did it the ago. right way. No grand slams. <laughs> no all right, grand no slams. grand slams. If you're not going to hit grand slams on three zero pitches, it's perfectly acceptable to beat a team by twenty seven. Right, <laughs> a team that twenty seven runs, one hundred and ten games, or whatever the hell they lost that year. Like that is like, first of all, embarrassing for the team to lose by twenty seven runs. But w- at what point do you stop? I don't know. Maybe they were trying to stop. I mean, you can't. You got to be. At These 20, are still major you league pitchers, taking, right? Yeah, you gotta be, well, I mean, I, I'm sure they weren't in major league <laughs> pitching at that point. Yeah, double A pitching. Yeah, I think the snack vendor got a chance to throw a couple <laughs> of knucklers in that one. But yeah, it's just, it's just, it's such a terrible way to go about it. 
the whole situation was handled terribly, and Major League Baseball threw down the suspensions just to kind of reassure that they didn't like the way it was held. And the only thing that they want is for younger players or for younger watchers to to watch the game, younger viewers to be interested in the game. That's why they make the games longer. That's why they're screwing up the rules, or sorry, shorter. That's why they're screwing up the rules to make the game shorter. And that's what younger players want to see. They want to see, or younger viewers, they want to see runs. They want to see home runs. They want to see grand slams. Yeah, I don't get. I don't care if it's one one. I don't care if it's ten nothing. I don't care if it's a one one pitch. I don't care if it's a three zero pitch. I think uh, staying on Tatis Jr. and the Rangers. If I'm not mistaken, the day after he stole third base when they were up. <laughs> yeah. Early. Yeah. The Rangers came back and made it close. Like it just shows you that. You got to just keep playing the game. And it shows you that this guy isn't just out here trying to show people up. He's out here trying to be entertaining. He's out there trying to do the things to help his team win. And if he thinks hitting a grand slam, oh, is helping his team win, how dare he thinks that, then he's going to do it. If he thinks taking third base in a shift is going to help his team, he's going to do that. This is a guy who's batting 308. He's got 12 home runs. Uh, he's leading the majors, I believe, in that. He's got 29 ribeyes and six stolen bases. He was at one point. He was leading home runs, RBIs, and stolen bases. He's a very exciting player, and all he's doing is playing baseball. He's a young kid playing baseball, and even for Hosmer to come over and you know put his arm, he goes, "I'm I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk talk to him about what? Yeah. He hit a home run in a major league baseball game. Talk to him because he's more exciting than you've ever been. Yeah, because you're washed up. You're going to go over and make sure this guy doesn't show you up either. Sit down. Yeah, really. Uh, on that note, uh, as well, the Rangers and. And everyone, anyone out there who, you know, was offended, if you will, by that 3-0 Grand Slam, don't go out the next three games and give up another Grand Slam in each of them. <laughs> right? Because that just takes away from your entire... That just takes away from anything. You're but again... Unvalid. Not on 3-0 pitches. <laughs> not on 3-0 pitches. You can swing away 1-1, baby. Uh, and, but, also, by the way, Texas is 10-17, and 17, so they can't say anything to anyone, all right? You, yeah, go, really. you go cuddle under Baltimore. <laughs> Uh, down there in the basement of the MLB. Uh, moving on, Mitty, let's talk a little bit about basketball because uh, we've got some money. I thought you wanted to touch on uh, on uh, Brenman. Uh, I'm Brenman. not going to touch on Brenman. I thought you wanted to. No, no, I'm not really in the mood, to be completely honest with you. Fine. Moving on, a little bit about NBA. I'm upset. Talking a little bit about the Raptors. I'm upset. Sing it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to embarrass you here. This is where I'm going to embarrass you. All right? So for anyone who used to listen to the college podcast. <laughs> this was like five years ago. Uh, yeah. I used to have this segment where I would take uh, um, stats and I would make guess that player and I would just embarrass Smitty because he's not the the most knowledgeable when it comes to stats. Neither am I, but I have it on the computer in front of me. And uh, I got Google. <laughs> no. And just because I hate the Lakers... I don't like the Lakers even... We'll get on to that later. I don't like the Lakers even moving on. So these are all Laker players. All right, shoot, let's go. All right, you ready? This player was a five-time NBA champ, 18-time All-Star, and 12-time All-Defense. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, you're right there. There it is. Okay. Does it get harder? Yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm screwed. This player is first all-time in field goals missed. With fourteen hundred, sorry, fourteen thousand four hundred eighty-one misses on the Lakers. Yeah, Kobe Bryant. It is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, that guy missed a lot. This of isn't shots. good. He put up a lot of shots, though. He did. 
He, he's a third all-time in shots made. Okay. This player, both of his jersey numbers add up to 32. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. He got this one right, too. All right. I think this, I'm starting to catch on to a little bit of the trend. This was a two-time finals MVP. Kobe Bryant. It's Kobe. Am I going to throw you? I was going to say Shaquille O'Neal for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to throw you a curveball in the last one? This player dropped 81 on the, on the Toronto Raptors January 22nd, 2009. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just kidding. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Okay, it wasn't as hard as I thought, but I just wanted to throw some Kobe stats in there and just say uh, happy 42nd birthday, Kobe. Um, obviously, around the league, you're, you're missed around the world. So there you go. That's all I wanted to do. I'll make it harder next time, so I'll actually embarrass you. I hope you don't. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, of course, uh, paying tribute to him here on the Smitty and Meaty show. Um, but, uh, Meaty, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit of basketball while we have some time on the show. Um, we got big money down on the NBA playoffs. and beard. Uh, No beard dye. Beard We're dye. not dying the beard, man. I want to buy the... Uh, I'm going to dye your beard when I get your money. It's Except so I'm short. not using There's no money. way. That's so short. <laughs> <laughs> little pubes on yeah, your chin there. I don't know what you're going to do with this, but you can go ahead and try. Give me ice tips. Ice tips on my beard. You look like a reverse in sync. So uh, moving on, NBA bracket. Uh, as of the recording of this episode, only two teams moving on so far, and it is the uh, Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. Two teams that I don't think really surprised us to be in the second round. I didn't even like the fact I had to watch the Raptor games. I mean, like they played terrible in game two, and they still won. Brooklyn right now is just a completely inferior team. And that's no surprise. Um, the Sunday score on the Raptors game, by the way, one fifty to one twenty-two. Jeez, I didn't. I'm not going to tune into that. To be completely honest with you, not in the first round. I mean, to see one fifty. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I think what were we one sixteen going into fourth quarter? Maybe that's why that they didn't get any night games. <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, there's no point in putting the uh, Raptors on the uh, primetime games because it's just going to be blowouts. Um, it looks like they're going to be moving on to face the Celtics, which to me, 2-3 matchup. That's going to be an exciting series. Here's the thing. I'm watching the Lakers series last night. I'm watching the game, and I think we are, uh, how do I say, we're, we're privileged to be able to watch the Raptors because it's true basketball. You get to see some transition defense, transition scoring. The only thing you see in these games are they're going to go across half, and they're going to try and take a three. And then you're going to come back. And they're going to go across half, and they're going to try to take a three. Then you're going to go back, and Anthony Davis is going to make a long two. And then you're going to go back and do it again. Like, there's no actual defense. There's no actual basketball. At one point, the Lakers had three guys on the defensive side at half for over 10 seconds. And Portland still missed. But it's just, that's not exciting. So that's why I think the Raptors are so far ahead. If they come in and play a shutdown defensive game like they can and spread the scoring around, I'm really not scared of Boston. I'm really not scared of anyone until you maybe get to the Clippers, and that's just because we know what Leonard can do. But have the Clippers, I mean, as like I said, uh, we're recording this on Sunday night. The Clippers are tied at two with Dallas right now. The game this afternoon was fantastic. I do think that they're the better team there, and I do think they're going to move on. But it's going to be a tight series. It's shown that so far. 
the one thing that might be a little tougher for the Raptors is we see time and time again the teams that cruise through into the conference finals, um, and then they hit a little bit of controversy. It, they kind of crumble because they haven't seen that yet, and maybe that's where this is going to help the Clippers. It's not like they've played bad. They've played exciting basketball. So if they keep playing like that, uh, talent will just overshoot, and they're going to move on. But maybe that just gives them a little bit of that sandpaper to move on. I'm still... I still hold my Raptors and Clippers final. We'll uh, just have to wait and find out. So far, both of us two for two on our picks um, in round one in the East, the only ones that we have coming through for us right now. Uh, the NBA bubble, though, I think they're still maintaining strong on the no-COVID tests. Has that surprised you? No. So, I mean, so is hockey. The way that they do this, it's almost impossible to get a positive COVID test. Like, we just listened to Churchy, and things coming in and out of the bubble are quarantined. You don't, you don't get to leave your hotel. They even have a separate uh, field on BMO Field that you can go out and play soccer, or throw the ball around, or be able to get your outside time. Because they don't outside do your time. outside time. Go for recess. Go for recess. Outside time. <laughs> I call the swings. So they give you those time, like because they don't want you to mingle with anybody else. They they see the dollar signs. They want to hand out a cup. It is huge for the NHL to hand out a cup, and it's huge for the NBA to hand out a trophy. Yeah, and I think they've both done, like you said, a pretty good job so far. We're seeing that with no cases for either league inside the bubble. The bubble has proved that it can and will work. Do we see teams do that next season if we're still in the situation we're in? I don't know. Here's the problem. I feel like the United States just likes to fly by the seat of their pants. Like NASCAR's having uh, an event with fans. Golf's talking about having events with fans. Um, they're actually talking about having some fans in MLB games before the commissioner said, no, we're not doing that. So it was actually him that shut it down. One of the only smart things he's ever done. Um, but yeah, I think at some point, probably the dollar sign, and who knows, who knows what the hell happens by next year, right? Um, if you have to, they might have a modified bubble, but it's going to be really, really hard to have all the teams. And going back to the bubble here, I think the only problem that they might have in hockey is at some point they have to get your two finalists together. And I don't know what their plan is there. Is there, is it a two week quarantine? I have no idea to get player to player, but we've seen in the MLB, most of the the contractions have come from. Did I use that right? Contractions? Or is that like a labor know. thing? Yeah, I think that's babies. So none of them are having babies. <laughs> none of them are having babies. When, when they're contracting COVID, it's mostly coming from airplanes. So I think that's kind of your, your biggest issue is getting those teams together. But I'm sure they have a plan. And I'm really not worried. And actually, the MLB has done a really good job at stopping um, the contamination between between teams. I mean, in the locker room, there's almost nothing you can do, but between teams, they've done a really good job there. So I'm actually pretty impressed all around with what's been going on, even, and the MLB is the worst, obviously, but they've even been able to contain those a little well, bit. Well, they got off to a bad start, I think. A terrible start. Terrible start. All over chocolate milk. I think it's a little bit better now. Did you like see you that, by the way? <laughs> Did you see it? Like, Derek Jeter came out and defended his team back yeah, when it happened? Uh, why? Well, he just said uh, that the media treated them terribly and that all they, they were good coins. Some players wanted some milk. It's always the media's fault. Well, these are MLB players. They're millionaires. They couldn't order up some milk. Right. Get some milk delivered to you. Yeah, Uber eats some milk. <laughs> just call it. Call it yours. 
He'll Call bring anyone. Up, he'll bring a yeah. bucket of lamb milk. <laughs> bucket of milk. <laughs> um, uh, kind of on some local notes, um, back to hockey before we finish off the show here. Both the OHL and the GOJHL local hockey leagues here in Ontario have announced plans to resume hockey, but that's not going to be until early December. Are you surprised by this? Do you think it's too early, too late? I, we've already seen some JOHL, JOJHL teams that have backed out um, that completely cancel their season just because they can't afford to have an arena that's not full, that doesn't have fans in it. Now, if you go to a 50% capacity, I think that could probably be done. Um, actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we, uh, we do have a guest lined up in a couple weeks once we know more about what's going on. Um, he's going to come on and kind of tell us, give a breakdown of the... Uh, DOHA and everything going on there um, give us a little help but yeah it's going to be tricky but they have to try yeah I think they have to try and I don't want to don't quote me on this but I think the number that the uh, at least the GOJHL last um, what's the word I'm looking for the, the number that they last I, said they want to try and aim for is 30% capacity in most buildings and realistically a lot of buildings only have 30% capacity in most games anyways exactly it's it might hurt some of the smaller teams who have smaller older ranks but for the most part i think especially for that junior b loop 30 percent capacity they could run off that i and think they, they can yeah. get enough sponsorship money as well a lot of their money run. comes from the sponsorship I that's think, what i was just about i to think say. they could they could run off that the ohl on the other hand there are a lot of teams that i do not think could run at 30 percent capacity uh, I think the biggest problem is they were talking about the American teams. Like, you have American teams there. Three. Yeah, and they were talking about... Three, exactly. You did your uh, homework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, from what I heard, there was talk about them coming over and um, actually playing in little arenas such as um, here in London, playing at the Western Fairgrounds. Um, obviously, it'll be hard if the uh, Junior B is going on. But to play in those little rinks... Um, that was kind of the talk to get them into Canada and keep them here. Um, but, yeah, again, a lot of their money comes from the door along with sponsorship. So there's some teams that, like, let's say let's say London alone, there's 9,000 people in the building there every night. Can you afford to only have, what the hell's the math there, 3,000 3, people? 3,000, yeah. Is that right? Roughly. Right. A little bit less than that. But yeah, I think, yeah, there's going to be teams that, and you know what, maybe they can make it work at 30. Is it going to hurt them for a year? For Absolutely. Sure. It but is. it's going to hurt a lot less than not having a season, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of these teams, and and not that's not even just, you know, hockey locally here in Ontario. That's teams around Canada, around North America, leagues around North America. Some of these leagues and teams might not be able to recover after losing the back end of last season, and if they lose this upcoming season. There might not be a chance to bounce back from that. Here's the other problem. Do you think any of the... Do you think people are going to be willing to go? Like, It's going to be so weird just to be in the building, period. Do you think you're going to be willing to take your kids down to an OHL game when you don't know what's going on? Now, this is all hypothetical, because tomorrow we could have some kind of vaccine or some kind of fix for this thing. So, who knows? But, like, would you take your kid, if you had a kid, down to the building? Uh, uh, to be completely honest with you, and, and this does scare and worry me a little bit, I think there would definitely be enough people willing to go. Um, this past Friday night, uh, I uh, got to call play-by-play for the London Majors as they hosted Ooh. the Guelph Royals. 
It was closed to 100 family and friends. Those were the only people allowed inside the ballpark. And I was actually really surprised. Uh, great call, by the way. I watched a little bit of it. Um, you said all the right things and didn't say the bad things. So I was really surprised at how many people were actually there. I thought they were just going to close off the building. Why Why even have the family in there? Yeah, I'm like I said, not entirely sure behind the reasoning. But there were enough people that wanted to be there. There were people that would have been there had they been allowed. And to be completely honest with you, that ballpark seats 5,000 people. I wouldn't be surprised that had they have let 50% capacity in, they would have had a couple thousand people in the seats. I would not be surprised one bit. There's people that have been missing sports. And to go back to the OHL, I think there's people that have missed hockey enough that they would be willing to go there and fill the building to 30, 50% capacity, whatever it may be. I've... Yeah, I mean, you're right. I I was surprised with how many people were actually protesting that game and were upset that it was even going on. I've seen minor baseball games going on. My personal team has a... We have a game this weekend because we just... Getting back on the field and hearing your cleats hit concrete, it's, it's what I've done for my whole life. It feels absolutely amazing. So to play, yeah, I want to get back on. So to hear... I don't know. To, back to our original point there. I don't understand where the backlash came from from people um but no it was exciting to watch and i think uh, congratulations to them 144 years is that right 144 straight seasons of baseball at labette park in london and uh, they they were able to keep the streak alive with the exhibition game there i i think moving forward though it'll be interesting to see what some of these leagues do like i said the ohl and uh, the gojhl locally here they have those plans in place to start in early December, but those plans are very wide open as of right now. Those could change next week. They could change in two months. They're not by any means set in stone. I think it was basically just to give a rough estimate of where it was so that teams could start getting ready and do those preparations for uh, advertisement and for training camps and stuff. So I think that's more with the... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts later and if we figure some stuff out here i wouldn't be surprised if it starts sooner they're gonna get it on the ice as soon as they can because they like money yep it's a business at the end of the day uh great episode there Mitty. we'll end things off here uh a fantastic show fantastic guest of course thanks to uh, kevin churchman for joining us earlier on in the episode our first guest and a killer one at that and uh, a big thank you as well to kevin hilsden for working on some of those intros for us as well so many final words oh i'd also like to thank uh um, uh, my cousin uh, Logan Cardoso for putting together that uh, that little music bed that we came back from the uh, commercial with, and uh, let's just throw this out there: Kevin Hillsden at Kevin Hills Kevin underscore Hillsden on Twitter. Shoot him a follow because he's doing yeah. us a solid. Big, big guy doing us a solid. You know what? Uh, Give me a follow. Admitty, M I D D Y. You gotta wait. I'm gonna plug in the socials here. M S T S M S the Smitty Mitty Show. Mitty T S M S M S on Twitter. Yes, give him a follow. He's looking for attention, as he always is. Some great tweets. Uh, you can follow us as well, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Smitty Mitty Show. And uh, you can look forward to new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, or online at anchor.fm. From Smitty and Mitty, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Love you, folks.